On this episode, we swim, swim, swim with the Mariner in Waterworld, Children of the Leviathan. So get ready to hold your breath and dive for some waterlogged M16s because you're listening to A Kind of Garbage, the Anthology Podcast. Greetings, land lovers, and welcome to the anthology. This week, we're talking about the comic Waterworld, Children of Leviathan. I'm Adam Bishop, and with me today are... Cody Andrews, and we have a special guest with us today. We have... Jack Packard! That's me! Yeah! (laughs) Jack, you have been dying, dying to talk about Waterworld, (laughs) and what a better place to do it than, (laughs) I guess, with us. (laughs) Like I've always loved the Waterworld movie. I mean, like it's it's not great, but it is fantastical, and it's it's the kind of movie that really doesn't get made anymore. And uh, just a little bit of uh, backstory is a couple years ago, uh, the family and I went over to Universal Studios, which is still running the Waterworld stunt show. Which is amazing because I got to go to Universal Studios, but the Florida version, which does not have the stunt show, but apparently the actual boat is docked there somewhere, but I never found it. Right. And and the California one has the stunt show. And apparently it is so popular that it, I mean, the popularity of the stunt show has outlasted the popularity of the movie. (laughs) You know, the kids loved it. They have never seen Waterworld. They didn't know why my wife and I were so excited to watch the Waterworld stunt show. And then later for my birthday, my wife, uh, who is wonderful and amazing, got me the four-part series, Waterworld Children of the Leviathan. And, you know, it's an amazing comic. Oh, just about the stunt show. I think it's so interesting that these live theatrical shows used to be, like, kind of popular. Like, you used to be able to go see those, like, Wild West shootouts. (laughs) Yes. And and then, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the. It's a great video, but, uh, you know, the macy's thanksgiving parade there was Mm -hmm. a float that was like a live action marvel superhero event and it's oh it's amazing if you just type in macy's marvel float so as the (laughs) uh, wherever the where is that in chicago or new york new york yeah when uh the float goes down whatever street in new york as the announce as like the people commentating on the parade announce it Mm-hmm. all of a sudden like captain america kicks a door open and runs out and starts running around <laughs> and he's fighting all the and they're in like the cheapest costumes oh yeah but the, yeah. the best part about it is i guess because at the time marvel had the publishing rights to robocop comics at the very end it's like captain america spider-man and wolverine and then just robocop shows up and starts helping them <laughs> i am googling this right now <laughs> It's incredible. But whenever I see that, I always think of things like that don't exist anymore. And anytime they try to bring one back, it fails. But for whatever reason, the water world one just works. I don't know if it's because it's such a uh, like high production values. It's it's as, it, oh no it, it's like a legitimately good show it's you know it's stunts it's explosions it's like people riding jet skis it is a really neat thing to watch I I it's probably more just like a profit loss thing where you know they they have like they it's a it's a big show it takes up a lot of space and they can fit a lot of people in there but you know you're stuck in one place for forty five minutes and so you're not 
going to the next attraction and you're not buying the overpriced churro or whatever. Yeah. Well, I know that like back on Marvel, I think for a year, Marvel tried doing like a live action stage event Mm -hmm. and it went under pretty quick, but it had like pyrotechnics and it had like, (laughs) they would lower like a jet from the stadium ceiling. Like it was this big event and I don't think it recouped its money. (laughs) And then it also reminds me of, do you remember when they tried to make a Spider-Man Broadway play? Uh, Turn, turn off the dark, of course. Turn off the dark with, uh, and they spent a fortune on it. Like the soundtrack was done by U2 and, Mm -hmm. and just, I guess people went to it and they're just like, what am I like? I, I can't get into this. What am I? Watching. right it, it never got out of previews like they never figured out how to make it work they, they lost a ton of money a beautiful story yeah it, well i know it's it struggled a lot with that and i if i'm remembering correctly i believe one of the performers like broke their back like one yes. of the spider-man stunt doubles got really hurt and they're like yes. this, is a, this is a bad idea <laughs> you know why it's because it was a bad idea yeah <laughs> with the stunt show my girlfriend and i were actually planning on going like to go see it last year um and i was sitting on the couch watching the youtube like recording of someone doing it and i go to her it's like danny can you get like a glass of water and just splash it with me once in a while i want to feel like i'm there (laughs) it's it's a really exciting thing it's you know it's it's cheesy and it's schmaltzy and and uh but but it's it's people you know jumping off of high things and riding around jet skis and fake gunfire and and swinging on ropes like pirates it's a super good time i hope it lasts forever well i know adam had explained had explained it to me and i'm like there's no way this can be this just sounds like pretty lame Mm -hmm. and he showed me the video of when the the pontoon plane like crash lands in front of the people and i'm and i was sold i'm like that's the greatest thing i've ever seen <laughs> Absolutely. With Waterworld, um, I guess what's everybody's first like exposure to it? Because I know for myself, it was my family rented WrestleMania as one does back in the 90s. After WrestleMania is done, you get to keep the box for the month to, <laughs> to watch pay-per-views and order stuff. And Waterworld was on one of the movie networks, and that's where I was first exposed to it and I fell in love with it as a kid and I had no toys. Um, I bought the VHS tape, I think later down the road from uh, the rental store down the street. Mm -hmm. And then obviously I've upgraded over the years. I have the DVD, I have the Blu-ray, I have the ultra HD Blu-ray. I have the three disc arrow box set with all three (laughs) cuts. I have the, the trimaran toy with the Kevin Costner toy, the board game, the making of the novelization, everything that I can find. Yeah. I remember, I think, I think my dad winning a contest like it might have been something at like a we rented a movie at blockbuster and we won like 10 movies or something but i remember having a vcr and then having a bunch of vhs copies like of various movies and not liking a single one and not knowing how we got them and i'm pretty sure water world was one of them <laughs> <laughs> Like what, what year did the movie come out? 95. Hmm. It probably would have been something he got in 96 or maybe 97. And it would have been who public was it Warner Brothers or Universal? Universal. Universal. So it probably would have been a contest where it was like win 10 Universal home videos. <laughs> and it was just 10 <laughs> movies that they had out on home video that year or that hmm. month or whatever. And I remember having it, watching it and it just being under our TV for like 10 years. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, and you know, for me, I I saw it in the theater. I'm a I'm a huge sucker for sci-fi, and you know, I'm I'm a teenager at this point. Uh, I'm I, you know because I'm an old man currently, and so uh, I saw this in the theater. I loved every minute of it. I know it did not get the best critical reaction, and so I probably I, I wasn't as confident in my love about it at first. You know, people would ask about Waterworld, and you just go, Oh yeah, Waterworld. People say it sucks, but it's so great. It's just so great. Uh, just because I'm a sucker for sci-fi, specifically like that kind of post-apocalyptic shtick sci-fi, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, the, you know, yeah, it's, it's the post-apocalypse, but this one, the world is water. Or it's like, I don't know if you guys have read that like Hugh Howey book, Sand, where it's like, it's the post-apocalypse, but everything is the desert. Oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> or that other Hugh Howey book, uh <laughs> Uh, uh, not silo, uh, uh, wool, where it's like, it's the post apocalypse, but everyone's in a tube. All right. (laughs) Oh my God. Whenever I tell people about Waterworld, they're like, oh, it's like Mad Max, but on water. And I've never seen any of the Mad Max movies. So I'm just like, (gasps) I guess. Blasphemy. (laughs) I'm the worst movie watcher ever. Yeah. Jack, watching or talking about any movie with Adam is Mm. incredible because he almost purposely goes out of his way. To not, to not watch anything that's been critically reviewed well. Sure. No, that's fair. I I, I think like if you're going to compare Waterworld to Mad Max, it's probably most related to like, you know, maybe Beyond Thunderdome. Even even actually probably Fury Road has more in line with Waterworld where it's just a little bit yeah. bigger. The, the earlier Mad Max movies, uh, Mad Max and uh, Road Warrior are, are a little smaller scale, whereas Waterworld is a grand sci-fi adventure you know they go to different areas they they have a whole mythos it's beautiful i think one of the interesting things about water world is when you're filming a movie like obviously you have to pick out your location mm-hmm. one of the hardest areas to ever shoot on is water <laughs> like if you read if, if you read like any production notes on almost any movie like that takes place almost primarily on the water Mm -hmm. Um, like Jaws or Titanic, like two weeks into production, they're just like, why did we do this? everything's wet everything's wet and no, yeah, i don't nothing like it. works yeah <laughs> nothing works everything's wet yeah <laughs> everything breaks it's yeah um and i i'm trying to remember i think it was you had told me this adam and i remember it was also in that movie uh, the leonardo dicaprio movie the beach like a tropical storm just destroyed the entire set oh no yeah i, I have no idea what that movie is <laughs> well, I, I didn't i didn't know it wasn't me know, no no i didn't i didn't know if it was water world as well but i i know in uh that movie the island like there was some sort of i don't tropical depression or whatever you would call it mm-hmm. is that the jessica alba movie no I'm trying to, i don't even that's, remember that's the beach that's the beach i'm that's okay the <laughs> that's the beach not to be confused with the island not to oh be confused yeah with the island of dr moreau <laughs> Oh, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many, so many movies that made the mistake of shooting on water. <laughs> but you had spoken earlier about like not having the confidence to be a fan mm-hmm. openly about this, which I, which I think is very interesting because uh, the series artist Kevin Kobasek also does not seem to be uh, openly a fan of Waterworld, <laughs> which was kind of the gem for me throughout the four. This is a, a four issue series series through uh, 
Valiant? Yeah. Well, or, or through this is through Valiant's um, like little little brother that it publishes all of its licensed material, Acclaim. Yes. Yeah. Acclaim. That's right. Which is, I believe, owned by the old Acclaim video game company. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. They're the same company. Okay. As far as I'm aware. Don't quote me. So throughout the four issues, we kind of have letters to the editor, but we also have kind of it's like Kevin Kobasik's notes, <laughs> which to me, that was the greatest part was just him basically struggling with the art in this book and then just being like, you know what? To hell with Waterworld, to hell with Kevin Costner. I hate drawing. <laughs> I hate drawing all that. Well, I, I do know, like I did a little bit of research into this and there were significant rights issues with the Mariner character in these comic books where Kevin Costner was basically had his lawyers on standby. So if the Mariner in the comic books looked too much like Kevin Costner, he would have brought down the fury and so like create like making the the and you can tell like all the cover for like okay let's get into the comics here yep. the art is bad it is it is ugly it is that like everything wrong with 90s comic art it is everything it has way too much shading too many lines it is dirty and ugly <laughs> and <laughs> And somehow, even though like he's the mariner, he's a man of the sea uh, in every single issue, he finds a machine gun or some oh. sort of large big gun because that was the big deal in the 90s. How how big can we make this harpoon? Yes. Can we make the harpoon look like a gun, please? Uh, and pouches everywhere. It's so it's ugly, ugly art in general. <laughs> yeah, the, the art is. I think it is very much a product of its time, mm -hmm. which is acclaimed artists. In this case, it's uh, Kevin Kobasik doing pencils and Barbara Kahlberg uh, inking over them. Mm -hmm. It's very much them being like, okay, image comics is the hot thing right now. How do we, how do we kind of like <laughs> eat that style? Yeah, how do we spawnify Waterworld? Yeah, which I, you can't really blame them. Like it, it doesn't look like you said. It doesn't look great. And there's a few. I picked up a, a bunch of kind of perspective issues throughout it, where like uh, the Submariners or the Mariner is like lunging forward at Not somebody. The Submariner. That's someone else's. <laughs> That's someone else. That's someone else who lives under the water. <laughs> um, he'll be lunging forward, and then just to show the perspective, he just draws one of his legs. As like a little tiny leg. <laughs> I, I picked up on that a lot. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. The other art aspect that I absolutely loved about this were the painted covers. Oh, oh yeah. Where the first, <laughs> the first issue has one of the most phallic <laughs> background things I've ever seen where the Mariner is just, the Mariner is riding a whale, but the whale is shaped like a torpedo. And then mm -hmm. as if somebody gave the cover artist notes being like, that's a little too phallic. He goes, I know what'll make it unphallic. I'll put it, I'll put a nice curve in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a gentle curve just at the tip and he added like he added like a little mushroom top to it it yes. is it has all the perfect bends <laughs> yes while the mariner is in the foreground also holding a phallic gun yes it's, yes it's just dicks everywhere <laughs> 
And then issue four's cover. Oh, four is great. Issue four, the cover of it, he's he's like swimming towards the reader. Oh, wait, that's number three. That's number three. Issue yeah. three. You can literally see like the eraser marks around his face where it's like, <laughs> whoop, didn't get that lined up because it's still not lined up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And like the weird way that his muscles work in, in yes. issue number three. I, I Everyone needs to like Google image search uh, issue three of Waterworld. It is it's one of those things it's one of those like master classes in like a professional artist did this guess what anybody can be a professional artist because yeah. they make mistakes too it's it's so ugly well he's swimming and his tricep is like his thigh <laughs> like his tricep yes. is the lar- it's the largest muscle on his body and his tricep is like jutting out as if it's a bicep it's it, like his arm is like backwards and then like what's what's your like that side muscle called like where your armpit attaches to your rib cage whatever that muscle is uh, seems to have broken free of his body <laughs> sorry i think that's called your lat but yeah oh, okay it's like it's not existent non-existent <laughs> cover three is the most kevin costnery face you get where you look at it and i'm like that looks like kevin costner like they're gonna come after him but i guess they probably looked at it and it's like no you can't tell who that is because it is bad <laughs> i can only imagine that kevin adam jack if you want to know adam's movie knowledge adam will not get this joke i am i imagine that kevin costner called a claim and said if this guy looks anything like me you'll be dancing with my lawyers hey oh i get it houston dance with wolves one. oh adam um, got it okay yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things from the first issue is that we actually get more lore to the world of Waterworld, where mm. It shows the ice, the ice death from above. So there's ice comets coming down, destroying the world, adding to the water of water world before the polar ice caps melted. Oh, oh neat. Because I know nice. everything I've ever read, every like scientist says, no, if the polar ice caps melted, the entire world would not be flooded. But then this comic goes, hold my beer, ice balls rain down from the heavens and fill earth with more water. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Suck it, scientists. That's something that I kind of remember. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. And that's something I do remember is the scene where everyone believes there's land. And then he shows the the actress's name who plays like the love interest. Mm -hmm. He takes her underwater and just shows her that like he's literally just bringing up mud and that there is no soil. Like it's just trick. Yeah. I really love that shot of like him going down and it's like all the submerged cities. So I was excited to see that this book wasn't just Mad Max on the ocean it was like let's actually go explore some of the some of the fun elements that the movie kind of brushed aside that being said i I, like i'll agree with you i think actually the story of Waterworld: children of the leviathan is a very good story it's a really fun kind of offshoot of the water world uh mythos uh that being said it is 100 mad max on water <laughs> like <laughs> even even to the point that you know like they're giant overweight um godlike or you know self-aggrandizing villain has his own themed minions that is 100% Mad Max. He's a Morton Joe. Well, it's funny that you bring up a Morton Joe because a Morton Joe uses aerosol cans to like get his followers high to believe they're going to like the afterlife. Yes. 
in this book, Leviathan uses jellyfish and pufferfish to get his followers high <laughs> yes. to believe they're going to the afterlife. So yes, it's like which is which is great. Like I love the enemy, like the Leviathan as like this gargantuan, like overweight symbol of opulence and greed is beautiful. Like a really awesome villain, you know, very um, very uh, what am I thinking of? Like Mojo Jojo from uh, oh man, yes, from uh, Marvel Comics or not Mojo Jojo, Mojo, just Mojo. Yeah. Mojo Jojo is from Powerpuff Girls, <laughs> but uh, just Mojo from uh, from Marvel Comics. And so, like, it's it's a great villain, and like they have a great shtick where where yes, they they are a religious cult. I love the fact that they introduce survivors that have been living underneath the water that is so neat i think that's it's a really cool concept kind of showing the and they try to get into a little bit of like a class struggle system with it mm -hmm. but I, I think it's really neat to show that yeah there's people on the surface that have no that are just sailing around looking for land uh, <laughs> yeah. and then you've got people underwater who believe there is no surface anymore and then you have the, the mariner who's just a man with no home swimming around. <laughs> the, the eternal outsider. My question about Leviathan is when he was born, did his parents wrap barbed wire around him so he could grow like around the barbed wire like a tree would grow around a fence? Because he like he's laying in his bathtub and he has barbed wire like throughout his body, like weaving in and out of his skin. Was that barbed wire or was that supposed? I don't I, It looks like barbed wire to me. Because it took me a few illustrations to pick up that he had jellyfish on his body. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, I didn't know if he was, there was something else on him where I could, I didn't know what it was. And I'm, and I think it was supposed to show that he was wet, that he was getting out of like, <laughs> Just he was getting out of the jellyfish bathtub. And he's like, now I'm wet. <laughs> I like, I'm, I'm with Adam. I believe it showed that he just had kind of barbed wire intermingled with his skin. It was, it was kind of revealed in the fourth issue. I want to say um, that when he was fighting with Mariner, that the Mariner made an offhanded comment about how they bleed the same color blood. <laughs> yes. And so I think it is insinuated that they are both kind of genetic mutations. Which I like because the Mariner is... I guess part fish is right. his kind of gimmick with the webbed toes and the gill. Yeah. Leviathan is some sort of crab man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or puffer fish or so. Yeah. He's, something. he's got something going on, but like, yeah, in issue four, he's in full out war mode with the, mm. uh, the people from the underground city or the underwater city, sorry, which that's one of my favorite panels is when they come back up to the surface to finish their fight. He's yelling at his followers to push him out of the hatch of a submarine. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> which is so yes. We have to note when he first goes to get inside the submarine, he can't like he can't squeeze through and he uses the blood of one of his followers as lubricant yes. to, to slide in it where I'm like, oh, yes. no, and that's the thing. Like there's there's a ton of really fun and interesting writing within these comics. Like I said, the art we've already we've just discussed, like how we we're all looking at the same image and interpreting it in different ways, which <laughs> gives you an idea of how bad the art is. But like there are some really interesting ideas that unfortunately didn't get uh, a ton of room to breathe. Yeah. And I, and I guess like for me, coming from the movie, I guess I had just assumed, which I, I'm sure was the, the case for the movie, that the Mariner's character, it was just a product of, of natural 
evolution for however long that they've been uh, above the water, right? It's they've been above uh, the the water has been there long enough that everybody has forgotten about the dry world. So generations and generations and generations. Obviously, we're we're putting a little movie magic on that. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I I guess I had always come to the conclusion that like Kevin Costner was just a natural like oh humans would do better if they had gills and could swim. So he's just, you know, he's a a mutant, but he is a natural evolution. Whereas the comic books seem to plant seeds that human fish mutants were genetically modified humans and that the mariner is the byproduct of experimentations. Which I don't like that at all. I want the evolution of humans. I don't want it's he was a test tube baby. Right. Like that's a big turnoff. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't know. I kind of I no, can go either be, way. With be with us. Be with us. <laughs> <laughs> I want Kevin Costner's I want the Mariner to be some sort of love child between like Aquaman, I want his father to be a lighthouse keeper, and I oh. want his mother to be a mermaid. Is is Waterworld the 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 secret sequel to The Shape of Water? Oh, mm-hmm. think about it. Very good. Think about it. Think about it. Another thing that I kind of had in the back of my mind while reading through this, and I think I was too young to pick up on this. It actually reminded me of I think it was something a joke someone had made on Twitter. Do you think that one of the reasons why Waterworld as a movie failed is that Kevin Costner cannot be a sci-fi actor? Ooh. And and kind of what made me think about it was, Jack, I know Adam hasn't seen it. Jack, are you familiar with the movie Terms of Endearment? Yes. You know how Jack Nicholson's character is an astronaut. Uh, oh, yes. Or Wait, he's in he's in the Air Force. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's just referenced, like they're in no part. I think he's in the Air Force training to be an astronaut or something. Okay, but okay, it, yeah, it, maybe that's it, it no, there's no like element of showing him doing anything. He's just a character, and that's what happens to be his profession. Mm. Could you imagine the madness? Like, there's just some actors you cannot see. Like, could you imagine what was that movie? Gravity. Okay, with. Sandra Bullock and uh, George Clooney. Could you imagine instead of George Clooney, like it was Al Pacino in space? (laughs) (laughs) Like that's kind of how I picture now looking back at it. I'm like, maybe I just, I I don't see Kevin Costner as being one of the guys who sticks around for the apocalypse. I I think like that's, that's part of it is just bad casting, which of course there's no getting around because Kevin Costner was also a producer on this, which means it was his money going into it. So he's damn well going to star in it Mm -hmm. i have a little bit of a backup to my theory though okay what was the other kevin costner science fiction movie and it was the postman and it was amazing and how did that fare at the box office right now see the so the postman is super amazing and uh over over at red letter media we have watched that for many a bad movie night just (laughs) trying to dissect the postman and we have never been able to but it is a glorious feat of movie making. Now, but his character makes a lot of sense in The Postman. Because, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen The Postman, one, <laughs> block off four hours and, and <laughs> bring some coffee because gee, bus. 
in the postman, he, he starts out, he's a grifter, you know, he like just finds this outfit and kind of pretends to be the postman, which makes a lot of sense. That That's good casting for Kevin Costner. Waterworld, it's not necessarily the post-apocalyptic side of Waterworld that doesn't fit with Kevin Costner. It's the action side of it. Okay, I see that. He is, he is swinging from ropes. He's fighting. He's diving. He is doing a lot of action stuff. And Kevin Costner, God bless him is not an action star. Yeah, like I I just, I can't, in my mind, like picturing it, I just, I could see how this movie could have worked maybe with some other actors that had a <laughs> bit more, instead of like a, not that I think Kevin Costner is a wuss by any means, but like Kevin, like <laughs> Kevin Costner, like uh, what was the mafia movie, The Untouchables he was in? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, he plays a good cop. Like he kind of, to me, he plays like a bit of a thinking man tough guy. Like mm-hmm. I could see him playing a detective, a police officer. yeah something like that and and still getting like physical and and hand handsy with the ne'er-do-wells yeah but but i don't see him as like you know a biker or a guy like a (laughs) a, like a vietnam war vet coming Mm. back home like i don't picture him as kind of like the you know the really on edge loner character (laughs) i think this movie was made 10 years later in 2005 and you recast hugh jackman in the role of the mariner Mm. you would have had an even better movie because i feel like on the set of x-men uh brian singer could have said to him he's like no no be like the mariner from Waterworld because he's a fucking dick in this movie just like wolverine is a dick in that first movie they're the same character just not one's not as fun as the other (laughs) yeah that's a good that's a good point yeah yeah i think that is like that's great casting and i'm trying to think of now like for the time i just did a quick google search of like 90s action stars so i could see like who could they have cast in uh at the time to make the mariner work and there's only one one person out of this list that really, really works, and they never would have cast that person. Is it Van Dam? I feel like Van Dam would be a good choice. It's it's not Van Dam, but like Van Van Dam has the look, right? Because like yeah. that's the look you want for the Mariner. Uh, unfortunately, Van Dam is is terrible. Uh, <laughs> he's a, just a terrible actor. <laughs> Could you imagine the shipping cost alone just to get Van Damme's <laughs> cocaine out to set? <laughs> Somewhat like the the plastic bins to make sure it doesn't get wet. <laughs> so you know, like you have your you have your like your Kurt Russell. You have your um uh what's uh, oh crap what's I'm forgetting who is it Russell Crowe? No, I'm thinking of uh, Bruce Willis. You have your oh, Bruce okay. Willis, who's your '90s action star, who might like those two are good names and they might be able to pull off a Mariner. Both have done sci-fi action before and a, a pretty good job of it. But hear me out here, okay? Here, Here's dream casting for the Mariner if I am in charge of it. Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, would have worked. She she has like the gravitas to like be that loner character, but also the action chops where you absolutely believe it if she is riding around, jumping around and punching dudes. And you could get that awkward scene of her pumping out like baby fishmen out of herself. <laughs> what is that like an aliens reference? No, because she's a lady, so she could have babies and she could have oh, okay, so she'd be laying that. she'd be laying eggs. Uh, and ask someone to, you know, uh, fertilize them. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that would be super gross. And, and no, that's not making it in the movie. That's super no. gross. <laughs> Just get it. <laughs> Stepping away from the eggs. I Thank think- you. Sigourney Weaver, I think. Yeah. Like I think some people kind of have that kind of toughness. 
mm-hmm. look to them. Yeah. And I think like she kind of does have a bit of an, an imposing lone wolf quality that I think, yeah, kind of makes it a bit more like I could see her in a role like this over Kevin Costner. There's other actors, too, that probably could have done it. But I just I don't see Kevin Costner as like, no, Kevin Costner is like the ordinary schmo who's maybe a bit in over his head. Like, I, like I said, I think he works in the postman. But, you know, this is a guy who's like, you know, he's the old baseball guy in Bull Durham. He's yes. the, he's the <laughs> laid back Midwesterner who's who's doing his own thing. Like he kind of makes sense in Dances with Wolves um, just because of the time period and he's a schmo. But no, you cannot make him an action star. And that was the biggest mistake. I think whatever actor you cast has to have the look of someone who's willing to drink their own urine. Yeah. <laughs> and Kev- I, Kevin Costner, I'm just mm-hmm. saying it right now. Take it as may he be may he be too stubborn or not. Mm-hmm. I see Kevin Costner dying of thirst before he will actually bow down and dr- drink his own urine. <laughs> Kevin Costner is too good to drink his own urine. And I don't think that's slander at all. Speaking of, by the way, no urine drinking in the comic book. Putting that yeah. out there. Yeah. Disappointing. And the only thing that they did drink in the comic was blood. Mm. Yeah. Leviathan's like, yeah. have my have the blood, my children. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So we need to talk about the Mariner has like weapon stashes, <laughs> dozens of them, where he keeps waterlogged M16s. <laughs> yeah, they, they they work after being underwater for 200 years. I think it would have been better if just go like what you were saying, this movie takes place generations in the future. So there's no real knowledge of how things work mm-hmm. that have been like lost to the the flood or whatever it is. I thought it would have been better if Kevin Costner goes, I have a cache of like super weapons under the water. I'll go down and get them. And then you have a scene of him walking past all these crates that are like bazookas, Uzis, hand grenades. And then he's just like, and then he just picks up harpoons because he doesn't know what right. those are. <laughs> like, there's no right. frame of there's no frame of reference to be like that's a machine gun. It's going to be super effective. He's like, no, no, no. I have a I have a trident. It's so phallic, and I have like five of them. I'm gonna go get them. Wait here, guys. I'm gonna go get them. <laughs> and and yeah. So in the in the comic books, because it's a '90s comic books, everyone has machine guns because machine guns were the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. The and I'm trying to remember now in the movie. The uh, the smokers did have guns, right? They had gun guns. Yeah, the Mariner steals one at one point actually does shoot people. Right. But aren't they like kind of like I remember the scene where the guy uses like the inverted turret gun from like an old bomber plane. Yeah, yeah. And he accidentally like shoots everyone. I remember <laughs> that, but I kind of remember aren't the little handheld guns that the smoker aren't they almost like they almost look like blunderbusses. Like they look <laughs> like they've been repurposed out of a bunch of stuff. That's true. That's true. And but I, I liked that. I guess what I, yeah, what I'm getting at here is like uh, what I was wondering aloud is is there a frame of reference for guns in the Waterworld universe? And, and he has gone up against enemies who have used guns so he would be aware of them the the fact that his gun stash was underwater it was metal in salt water for 200 years that's the part where you go come on comic books give us 
give us something clever, like maybe he does something fishy or mariner-y to save the day. No, just guns. I'm going to go get guns. I thought it would have been really neat. I wanted to see a scene where depth charges were used. Ooh, yeah. And I wanted I wanted a scene where Leviathan, Leviathan, his uh, ship that he uses is like a repurposed aircraft carrier. Yes, which is mm. incredibly badass. All the, the spikes coming off. It's amazing. Yes. It's my it's my second favorite aircraft carrier in comics. The first one being in Godzilla Half Century War, the aircraft carrier that Gigan uses to surf to the North Pole. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll take your word for it. Absolutely. I wanted a scene where his what's the boat called the trimaran yeah I wanted a scene where it gets captured and then it like the next panel shows that he's got like a torpedo underneath it and that's like his secret weapon Ooh. like I, I kind of wanted something that had a bit more I wanted a bit more nautical tomfoolery with like depth That's charges and yeah. torpedoes like there's harpoons but they're a little out. like if water world takes place in a future where the future world has been flooded with water how many tridents are lying around well we have to assume that you know like all culture is now fishing culture right and so like a trident uh is a fishing tool like you use that to spearfish basically okay i get that yeah and so so yeah no i think there, there's a ton of tridents around because everyone uses them as as uh, as fishing utensils i think i think though your call for nautical themed action is like at the core of one of the problems with this comic book which <laughs> which is there ain't i mean they're underwater sure but they didn't have the imagination to think of like okay we we're underwater we know we want guns because guns is what sells let's try to think of an underwater gun maybe right yeah with all the bad guys using like puffer fish <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And then ninja ninja <laughs> starfish. And we we got we got to pause on that one for a second. Yeah. Be uh because uh, you said something really important. Ninja star starfish were used <laughs> in the comic book and it really hurt the mariner and it, they took it very seriously even though it's very silly. Yes, it's right in his arm. I'm like no they didn't. It's like why doesn't he have more aquatic weapons on him? Right? <laughs> right? Oh my god. I am happy that he upgraded his boat and he has the balloon on it, mm. which made me laugh really hard because there's an editor's note where they mentioned like, oh, he upgraded his boat, little star, and it says, see Waterworld the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, like someone read the comic before the movie. <laughs> they're like, stop. I need to put this down. There's a fucking movie. <laughs> it's just some kid. <laughs> like some some Mormon kid who's not no. allowed to go to the movies. <laughs> yes. It's like, this is amazing. They made a, they made a talkie out of this. Oh, I got to sneak out one of these days and go see a talkie at a water world. So the final battle. When, hang on, um, hang on Mariners... one sec. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, just before we get to the final battle, my favorite, I actually thought it was a really good sequence, was when he jumps down the elevator shaft mm. oh and God, then yes. cuts the cable. And then when the two guards stick their head down, the elevator cuts their heads off as it mm. passes. Mm -hmm. And then when he lands on the ground, immediately after he lands, two heads land. I'm like, that's... <laughs> 
that's a that's a well-planned page like that was a good action beat i like that yeah there are a few instances where i'm like well this is not kid friendly and i'm i'm happy about that like the decapitations and then people just being stabbed like over and over again or leviathan's constant calls to bring him his women back (laughs) (laughs) yeah we could have we could have gone like three seconds without rape like that would have been great and there is no known in the comics but it is like implied and at one point implicit implicitly called upon when they kidnap the doctor lady yeah and so it's like yeah come on we get it he's the bad guy we don't need when i got to that part i was just like no why why we don't need this this is a kid's comic it's like bring my woman i'm gonna give her an air what this comic needed in issue three issue three needed to close underwater about to flood the underwater city and the mariner uh, harpoons leviathan's crab arm to like the wall as the city's about to flood thinking mm. i've got him like i pinned him in a sinking city yes. and it's toast. Mm-hmm. and then leviathan needed to rip off his own arm and then crab walk away to safety going <laughs> not this time <laughs> Right. Or, or like, you know, grow a new one, like starfish powers or, or even like just be stuck underwater and be like, see, I can breathe underwater too. What a twist. It needed when Leviathan dies, Mariner needed to say you're in hot water now. (laughs) Oh, I'm gone. I'm done. (laughs) This is malarkey. I love Leviathan's crustacean armor. Is that the right, got the right word? Yeah. Where He's naked, but then he just has like crab armor (laughs) covering him. And he does, he has the big crab arm. And I'm like, where did you find a crab? And all of his minions, they're all covered in um, crab armor as well, which I thought they were crab people. I'm like, this is fucking sweet. (laughs) But no, they're just, they're just humans wearing like pieces of different animals that they've killed over time, which is absolutely fine. I like how his right-hand man who was named Jonah, wink, wink. I really liked how Jonah's helmet was just a giant crayfish head, Mm -hmm. which as far as the animal kingdom goes, the crayfish has to have, it's the stupidest head on any animal. (laughs) 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 He's just got a giant crayfish helmet. And you're like, why that of anything? Why that? Right. I, I think they, like, they definitely had a missed opportunity here. They, they, if I'm, if I'm imagining this comic as a movie or, you know, a modern day Netflix series, which by the way, this would work great as a modern day Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, yeah. you know, I, I feel, I felt like we needed a little more setup time with the minions because you're, you're absolutely right that they do look like mutants, right? Like they look like a human fish hybrid. And I felt like if we would have set them up first and been like, Oh no, the mutants are here and found out that they were just humans wearing fish armor. That would have been a really neat reveal instead of like knowing that from the beginning. I was going to say that is much like a movie that we watched not too long ago uh the 13th warrior yeah <laughs> oh yes yes of course antonio banderas yes i watch a lot of movies <laughs> yeah and, and 13th <laughs> warrior you're under the assumption for i think the first half of the movie that they're fighting like a demonic spirit right right and then you just realize like no 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 it's it's just like a barbarian tribe that that's kind of how they look and it's like mm-hmm. oh okay right no and, and like but that's neat that that could have been a really neat reveal 
Like, I, I feel like a lot of this, there's there's a ton of story in here and there's like a ton of knowledge that they've given us. But I, I also felt like they gave it to us at the wrong time where like we are meeting, we, the audience are meeting the underground dwellers as they're surfacing and then they get attacked by the crab people, right? Mm -hmm. And really we should have we should have met them like they were alluded to earlier that when the mariner went down to one of his secret stashes but we should have met them earlier gotten to know them before they rose up we, we, it just four issues is not enough time for this i felt like I, I i feel like if we would have had like a fifth issue before issue one we could have had a little more time to stew with all the information dumps that we got i think they needed to close off the series with the reveal that they're in present time and that there are all the the boats that have been stuck in the bermuda triangle and that <laughs> this entire series is just taking place off the coast yes. of florida Yes. <laughs> and, and no one's aware. No one's aware it's happening. At the um at the end of the last issue in the the notes from Dryland, it says um <laughs> as the future of the Mariners <laughs> as to the future of the Mariners saga and Waterworld, we love a second crack at it. Universal allowed us to expand on some of the mythology. It's because Universal, I feel, didn't give a shit about their own property where they're like, somebody wants a license Waterworld. <laughs> Do it. They're going to pay us free money. Maybe we can make some of this budget back. Jack's 100% right where there needs to be like a Netflix series. Um, maybe one day when Disney buys Universal because they're buying everything, they'll be like, hey, let's look at Waterworld. Does people like Disney it? Disney already owns Universal, right? Do they? As part of their Fox buyout. Didn't they get Universal as well? Or is that a different? Or... Oh, my God. oh, I have no idea. I would assume so. <laughs> Disney owns everything. I got to Google this. I think. <laughs> I think the hidden gem in this book, like Adam said, is the notes to dry land. Like reading Kevin Kobasik, just reading him talking about how he's not allowed to draw Kevin Costner. And then <laughs> the very next sentence, he goes, good, I wanted to draw a character with an actual hairline. And you're just Boom! like, Jesus, Jesus, Kevin. <laughs> like, you didn't get to draw Kevin Costner. Calm down, man. Like, you don't have to burn the guy. Well, but I mean, that is part of it is, you know, un unfortunately, right? The the movie industry is, is a, a visual industry and we have certain standards and that's part, like... Beyond his acting style, which is very like low key Midwestern, I say mm -hmm. that as someone who is Midwestern and very low key, like beyond his acting style, he does not look like an action lead in your sci fi action movie. No, he like he comes across as a police officer or a detective. He like, I, yeah, I don't see him as the guy who makes a boat after the apocalypse and then designs a machine <laughs> to process his own urine. I could, right? there's, there's a few actors I could see doing that, but like, even at the time he, his role should have been like the old mentor, you know, like the, the guy who's <laughs> sitting on the dock fishing while the, the action Mariner like goes to him for advice, even at the time. And I'm sure at the time he was younger. Or, you know, at the time he was, so wait, 94. Hold on. How old is Kevin Costner? This is very important. He's got to be in his late 60s now. He is 66 currently. Oh. And so in 94, he would have been, oh, Lord, 94. That what? 94. That's, that's 16 years ago. What is it, 21? 24. 24 years ago? It's two, it's 2021 now. Uh-huh. 
So 21 years ago is 2000, and then four years before. Oh my God! So he math. So, so he was. Hang four, on, we're doing math. <laughs> he was. So he was 42 when wow. he when he made Waterworld. And by the way, so like I I'm almost 40. Guess what? I'm too old to be an action star. That's how it works. Like they're making a whole joke movie about that with Bob Odenkirk currently, where he's an old man going to be an action star, and that's the gag of the movie. Like like. <laughs> And so it's like, basically, I think what we're discovering here is Waterworld was Kevin Costner's midlife crisis. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Where he said, I'm not getting old. Look, I'm an action star. <laughs> I think because this might have been my very first Kevin Costner movie. So for what? me, I look at him and it's like, yeah, I buy this. Is that true? Jack, you have no idea what it's like being friends with Adam, uh -huh. talk, talking to him about any form of current popular media. It's amazing. He he lives in a bubble and it's so fucking funny. Oh, I don't live in a bubble. You live in a bubble. Not 1995 is the best movie year of all time in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You have Mortal Kombat, Waterworld, Hackers. <laughs> Highlander three, Ooh, I think. Nice, very <laughs> yeah. nice. I here's here's what I'll say is if if you have the time, go back and watch Bull Durham. It's Kevin Costner, <laughs> Tim Robbins, um, uh, what's his wife's name? Susan Sarandon's and like a beautiful little low key baseball movie. And like that's the kind. Oh, actually, when did that come out? So uh, you know, like this is just how the podcast is working now, where I'm just gonna Google stuff and I'm not gonna apologize. Oh yeah, don't. So, <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to apologize. Bull Durham came out in 88 and he was like, so in Bull Durham, a movie that came out the six years before, no, sorry, seven years before Waterworld, Kevin Costner was playing like the old mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and then he decides he's, he's cool. He's hip. I want to be the action star like Bull Durham. Oh, he did two baseball movies in a row, by the way, Bull Durham and Field of Dreams. But Bull Durham is great. That's a, like a fan. It's one of my favorite baseball movies ever made. Uh, it's it's a really great movie about like about an old mentor and a young hothead. And that's the Kevin Costner that we need in every movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't blame him for taking a shot at being an action hero. <laughs> I don't. I also don't really. They don't make a ton of movies like this. Right. So when they do take a chance on it, even when it fails, like one of my personal favorite movies is the uh, Stallone Judge Dredd movie. Oh, sure. Stallone and uh, Rob Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. But what I love about that is you can't watch that movie under the premise that it's a Hollywood movie. You have to, <laughs> you have to be aware of the comic universe that Judge Dredd exists in. And if you read some of the Judge Dredd comics or a couple of like the better Judge Dredd comic stories that explain, because Judge Dredd is just a character. Judge Dredd comics are about the city mm -hmm. that they live in. And Judge Dredd just happens to be a character in this city. Mm -hmm. So like he's not a, a lot of Judge Dredd comics. He's not the primary character in it. Mm. But that movie gets that city, how ridiculous that city is so well, because it's a 70s version of what British satirical, uh, satirical comic book artists and writers thought America would be in the future. Right. And that comic or that movie gets so much of that right that it's very interesting to see, even though it does get muddled and very Hollywooded towards the end. But I find like Waterworld is very similar where it's like, <laughs> This is a wild movie. Like this is 
this is a science fiction movie and it is a bit of a chase movie with like uh the road warrior homage as we'll call them in it mm-hmm, sure but sure. like the basis of it is you have a guy like selling dirt and like giving false <laughs> false hope to these dirty traitors that just like are these not traitors but like these people trying to like eke out a living on the ocean and it's just mm-hmm. such a weird little story that somebody albeit made the mistake of saying let's put 200 million dollars into this it didn't need to be that big just 175 million don't worry it's not 200 million that would be yeah. crazy <laughs> uh, no and I, like i i can be with you and like that's that's the thing where where like waterworld exists and we should be so happy that it exists the fact that we get a four run comic issue expanding on the universe and you know what it's not the worst thing in the world it's it's like an interesting take on that universe the fact that they built a universe in water world right like that's so neat they took a they swung big uh to use a baseball metaphor the fact that it has a, a long running stunt show i think like speaks to the legs that water world has even as an ironically good movie if if you want to go that far i think it's legitimately good but i also uh, watch bad movies in my free time. So like, I think I'm a little skewed judgment wise. For anyone who's never watched Waterworld, one, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Two, <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch the European cut, the Ulysses cut, which is only 178 minutes. And I highly recommend it. I, this is another thing I love Jack is <laughs> because Adam has this insane physical media collection of mm. Waterworld like yeah. he's bought because Waterworld was ultimately a failure for yes. whatever studio released it Universal sorry I keep forgetting it was ultimately considered a failure mm. but as Zack Snyder is showing us right now you cannot fail in Hollywood you just need a bit more time and a bit more money <laughs> so kind of before Justice League had <laughs> had a you know him come back and be like yeah. no 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 just let me just uh you know it's it's like the studio saying pencils down, and Zack Snyder's just like, oh, just let me finish the sentence. Um, <laughs> you have, you have, and Adam can tell you about this. You have Waterworld, where the difference between its VHS release and its Laserdisc release and its home DVD release and mm. its and its uh, remastered release, it's been re-edited and it's had content taken out to try to tidy it up. Mm. And it's had deleted scenes put back in to try to like explore the world a bit more. Like for 15 years after Waterworld came out, they were still tinkering with it being like, we can't admit that this was a failure. There's, there's one screw loose. That's keeping this entire operation from yeah. making us all millionaires. Right. And well, and unfortunately, the screw loose was Kevin Costner. There's no, there's just no cutting around him. <laughs> no, and I have like I have that like special Blu-ray with all the three cuts on it. Um, and I love it. And you know, the like the one that came with the special, like the book. Uh, I don't know if you have that version as well. Yep, the hard box. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, yeah. It's, no, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to have in your collection, especially if you are, you know, a fan like we all are. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's like it is it is it it makes it makes you a little bit sad because we the only the only thing we get nowadays that's like big and sci-fi already has uh, a legacy attached to it that's the only big swings that they're making nowadays and so yeah we we need another water world we need another 
Uh, we need another original big sci-fi dookie fest and swing big. Absolutely. Now, Jack. Yeah. I hope you're sitting down. I'm ready. What if I told you? No. They, they did it again. Who who did what again? Someone swung for the fences with a stupid science fiction idea uh-huh. that is not based in a pre-existing movie, uh, whatever you would call it. Uh-huh. Have you heard of Mortal Engines? I have heard of Mortal Engines. (laughs) Mortal Engines is about the city of London. Wasn't that based on on something, though? I think it was based on a young adult book series. Yeah, so then that doesn't count. Oh, yeah, that's 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 an IP. That's an adaptation. That doesn't count. Waterworld was not an adaptation. You're right, right. They crammed it all into one movie. And just watching (laughs) it, you're watching that movie just reminded me of Waterworld. Because it was like, how did no one say no to this? Like someone, someone wrote on a on a cocktail napkin, city of London, and then they underlined it and then drew army tank tracks. Yep. But what if on wheels? (laughs) And then they slid that cocktail napkin to just a coked up (laughs) producer. And he went, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. No, the the last big original sci-fi thing we got was Avatar. Was James yeah. Cameron's Avatar? And, yeah, I guess you're right. And yeah, and that's that's all we get besides besides adaptations. There's been a few original sci-fi things on the streaming services, which which has been nice. Uh, I'm thinking of like Netflix's German time travel show Dark, mm-hmm. which is a, a wonderful sci- uh, original sci-fi show, which is great. Um, even even one my favorite sci-fi show at the time, The Expanse, is of course based off of the Leviathan Wakes series of books. So yeah, that's all we get now is adaptations. And that's all it will ever be. No new ideas. We're not allowed. You know, we're we're getting we're getting them here and there, but yeah, back back in the 90s we could have these big dumb things. And I think like what I love most about these these comics because of course that's what we're we're here to talk about most is the fact that they like even though the art kind of sucks and the story is a little bit rushed and really they're ripping off Mad Max. I do like that they actually put thought into like, what is another thing in this world? Like, okay, we had, we had our big smoker bad guy in the movie. What if there's an even bigger bad guy? He's a cult dude. Okay, perfect. That's great. What if there are people living underground and they don't know that people are on the surface? Like that's neat ideas. And that's really organically builds out the world and makes you a little more invested in the world. And so like that gets me really excited. I I would read more Waterworld comics if they were produced. Like I would watch that series if it was produced. Uh get on it, whoever needs to get on it. <laughs> where the, the where the Waterworld movie felt like it took its time, especially being like well over two hours, the comics just felt rushed. Mm-hmm. We had the, just the story, like it leaves you wanting more. And I'm like, I want more, I want more. And I, we're not allowed to have more. Well, that's, yeah, that's a an interesting point where you talk about being rushed. Uh, Adam had me read a comic. Uh, it was the Tops comic adaptation of James Bond Goldeneye. Oh, okay. And it is one of the funniest not intentionally. Uh, and it's kind of, I don't know if anyone, everyone would find it funny, but just seeing how, like, obviously when you write a comic, you have to lay it out and you have to be aware that you only have 28 pages or however many pages Mm -hmm. to tell your story. So you have to at some, and that's kind of what I love about comics is they have to wrap it up at the end. Like it, it, it actually has like a bit of a format tops is golden eye 
spend so much time having fun with like some of like the visually appealing aspects of Goldeneye. Mm -hmm. And then it completely forgets that it has seven pages left to finish the entire movie. And and the last five pages is just James Bond running, being like, now I'm here. Now I'm here. This happened off. This happened off page. And you're just like, oh, no. The best thing about that comic is as it is expediting through the story, it's a three issue series and issue two and three never came out. So you. Oh, no. But you have like, do you remember at the beginning of Goldeneye um, when I I believe he's in like Monte Carlo or Monaco or something and he's playing in the casino and there's that scene of him driving a sports car and he ends up kind of having a bit of a road race with the Famke Jensen character. Oh, sure, sure. The the art team on that book makes that entire sequence like a three page sequence Mm. and they have so much fun with it and it looks really nice. But then you realize like that was 45 seconds in the movie. Like that was 1% of the movie of its total (laughs) runtime. You just allocated 15% of the comic books entire, entire runtime towards that sequence. Like Mm -hmm. the, the pacing is so far off. It's incredible. Right. So Jack, what we do at the um, at the tail end of the episode is we have a running top 10 list where we keep track of everything that we've watched or read. Mm-hmm. Stuff gets bumped off the list. Stuff doesn't make it onto the list. I pick a comic or movie TV show. Koei gets mad at me, does not put it on his list because I wasted his time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for myself, this is my new number two. I absolutely love this comic, this series. This is right under Terror Assaulter and right above Hard Boiled. Not to be confused with the John Woo movie. This is the Jeff Darrow comic. Mm. Uh, for me this is going to be my new this is going to be my new number nine so i'm going to put this right underneath the tour and right above the wrestle Cu- uh, wrestle club uh zine jack you get to do the honors where do you put this on your list for us this is your number one because this is the only thing you've done but for yourself in general as well you get to tell us where like of all the comic books that you've read how would you rank this one? Oh, i mean you know it's down there it's <laughs> <laughs> of all the comic <laughs> books I've read. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it, ooh, oh, crap. Uh, it, you know, it'd probably be like in the 30s, I guess. Uh, trying to think more more realistically. It is interesting. It is unique. But if it wasn't tied to a movie that I love and is kind of controversial that I love it, I don't know if I would give these comics a second thought. So I'm going to I'm going to rank rank this actually right below the the Batman versus Predator miniseries. <laughs> oh, so like right there. This really seems like yeah, this is I could definitely see this being like if you're a fan of something like that, you would get a kick out of this. Yes, yeah, if if you really dug the the four or five issue run of Batman v Predator, then Waterworld Children of Leviathan is right up your alley. <laughs> I love the the a glowing endorsement that's it and it's fun it's fun yeah. i added on to my pun i was thinking about it so he kicks leviathan into the whale fin's mouth mm-hmm. and goes you're in hot water now and then when he lands and looks at the doctor he goes butter him than me butter him what <laughs> instead of better him than me butter. Oh. <laughs> i just so i don't know bad yeah maybe just it needed more puns all right, so you can find us at akindofgarbage.com. You can also email at us at akindofgarbage at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, Instagram, 
both at a kind of garbage as well as Facebook at a kind of garbage pod. Check out patreon.com forward slash the kind of garbage where every other week we have a bonus movie episode where we pick something probably even worse than we've done on the free podcast and that we hated even more. Finally, you can find myself at on Twitter at Presto Adam and on the Hey Kids Comics radio show Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Trent Radio 92.7 CFFF FM. Cody, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AsyncWord. And Jack, where can people follow you for updates? Oh, oh no, I'm I'm refusing after that pun, Cody. I am uh, I am no longer uh, <laughs> affiliate. I, I'm going to wait for uh, an apology, written apology from you for that. <laughs> Butter him than Butter me. Butter him than me. Like I was kind of with you if for the, with the hot water thing, but butter him than me. Just nope, I'm out. <laughs> uh, how about, okay, how about this? For okay. issue five, the, the remaining forces of Leviathan come to the Mariner mm-hmm. saying we need your help because obviously that's how you do a sequel is you have the villain become the uh the accomplice to mm-hmm. like the the protagonist like i know we don't always see eye to eye but i need your help on this one mariner and they go there's a death cult in the deeps that's taking out uh everyone and then it's called like the church of red lobster <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm gonna have I, to mute Cody. I'm yeah. sorry. I have no like. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have no horse in this race as far as what they do with this property. So they they can do anything they want. They should do a move. They should do a tie-in where it's Waterworld versus Quantum Leap. Like I don't care Ooh. what happens. First of all, I'd be there. Uh, no, you can uh, you can follow me uh, at Twitter. Uh, on Twitter at Harlack, H-A-R-L-A-C-K. You can see me talk about movies and video games over at escapistmagazine.com. And every once in a while, you can see me talk about bad movies over at redlettermedia.com. With that, I'm Anna Bishop. I'm Cody Andrews. I, I'm Jack Packard. And be forever buoyant. <laughs> Jesus Is Christ. that my pun? Mediocre. Pun mediocre. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so we're still in the middle of a pandemic. What? Uh, as always. As always. Never ending. I'm recording this from my bomb shelter in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're up in southern Ontario in Canada, and we've been hearing our provincial government kind of outline some guidelines for what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks as far as opening like stores back up and everything. Mm. which has been pretty exciting because pretty much for this entire pandemic, we, me and Adam usually go, we have a couple of comic book stores that we like in Toronto that are just, one of them is literally a warehouse just full of nineties trash. (laughs) Um, And we love going up there. We love talking to the guys up there. We love finding comics to talk about on the podcast. Um, So we're pretty excited to see, Maybe soon we'll actually be able to get out there and and talk to some of our friends and go shopping for trash comics again. Adam, you? Um, I know a few episodes ago I was talking about how my girlfriend and I were watching the Joe Schmo show. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we, we finished the Joe Schmo show too. Jack, do you know what the Joe Schmo show is? I don't. So the Joe Schmo show was on Spike TV 
almost 20 years ago now. Okay. And it was where they set up like a bachelor or I guess the first one was like a big brother almost, but everyone was an actor except for one person. Oh. And then the second season was, was a bachelor, but so they had a guy and a girl and they had two real people and everyone else on the show were actors as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what we watched. And basically they're just like, they're just messing with this person. And then that person, they don't have a meltdown at the end, but they're like, what's happening? Who's real? Nothing's real. And they just like, they lose their mind Sure, yeah. because the whole way they're thinking like, this is very odd, but this is a TV show. So this is what it's like when in reality, like, no, they're, they're making you not trust anybody for the rest of your life. <laughs> and it's hilarious to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, you know, uh, pa- pandemic wise, Wisconsin, actually the, the state where I am from, we, we are moving up the list of uh, like percentage of population uh, vaccinated, which is very, very exciting. We are doing, we ha- like everyone here in the States, we had a really shaky rollout of the vaccines and we're doing a really good job and numbers are going down, you know, cases, deaths are trending down, which is really, really exciting. I know like for, for me, right when the, uh, you might notice here on my on my Zoom call that it says CSZ Milwaukee, which stands for Comedy Sports Milwaukee, because I do improv comedy here in Milwaukee. And so like right before the pandemic hit, I had become a a professional improviser. I'd gone through all the training, all the classes, and they had called me up to the big leagues. And in Milwaukee, comedy sports as an improv theater is, is a bit of a big deal. And so I was putting in all of my all of my time, you know, like working, uh, like before you get stage time, they make you like seat people and clean up like drinks. And, you know, like they, they ask you to put in all the work. And so I was just starting to get stage time and like music voice time. And right when that happened, the pandemic hit. <laughs> oh, that sucks. And uh, as someone who is a big, big fan of live theater in general, uh, specifically like live comedy, that sort of thing, going to live theater had become like a, a weekly thing. I'd go watch other shows. I'd go participate in all of these things. And that is going to be one of the last things that gets reopened. And, you know, so far we've done a pretty good job weathering it. We've been doing Zoom shows and Zoom practices, but that's the thing that I am looking forward to the most is just like being around other funny people and like riffing in real life, not waiting for that Zoom microsecond of delay. <laughs> uh, I know in town that we we had a yuck yucks comedy bar, but I was too young and I think it's closed now. So I never I've never experienced live stand up in person. Mm. Um now as someone who's doing performing check, what like what kind of vibes are you getting as far as when things do start to open up? Do you think people are kind of so I don't want to say desperate, but do you think people are so content starved that it's going to be a big rush out to theaters and and stuff again? Or do you think people it's going to be like kind of a slow, cautious, tepid reopening? Uh, From what I've been hearing from people who are significantly smarter than me, which is which is most people, and I'm okay with that, is, is that it is going to be a slow return 
you know, not only are people cautious as they should be, but also people are comfortable. That's that's a weird thing that we found during this pandemic is people are really comfortable at home. And a ton of people who went to work from home during the pandemic are going to choose to stay working from home because they enjoy it so much and they can. Yeah. Something that personally I kind of thought this was going to be this was going to be like a huge shakeup for live entertainment and mm. for movie theaters and concerts and and comedy and theater but i had just read this week that i think it's carnival whoever one of the bigger cruise lines is they're saying they've made some deal now where i think they're going to screen for covid before getting on the ship mm-hmm. and then they'll screen for covid after and it's some promotion and it's called, I love the name of the promotion. It's called return to cruising. <laughs> like it's just, it's so fun sounding, but it's yeah. literally just like come out from the bomb shelters, please. Well, no. And I think like, that's, that's a thing that we're all going to have to deal with is like a, a, a version, some sort of version of PTSD where we've all been trapped inside for a year, or at least hopefully we have been, and everyone's taking this seriously. And, and yeah, getting people back out is going to be tricky, convincing them that it's safe and just convincing them to leave the couch because their couch is very comfortable. I know back in August last year, um, stuff kind of like relaxed around us um, up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I go to Cody. It's like, Cody, Cody, we're going to go see New Mutants in theaters. Oh, my God, did. we did. <laughs> <laughs> we saw I don't know how it was in where you are, Jack. We went and saw the movie right when they tried. So they had initially shut down movie theaters mm-hmm. in Canada. And then they tried doing like a, a safe reopening. And the way it was, you had this huge buffer area all around you. Oh, sure, so, sure. Yeah. So we went and saw it wasn't a very big theater that we saw it in, but we went and saw New Mutants. And I think it was us and four other people. Mm-hmm. And they just had caught. They had like, you could only sit. There was only two seats together, and then there was like a four seat buffer in either direction that was taped off. So there was literally like eight or 10 people in the entire theater, and it was yeah. just so fun. It's just like, this isn't going to work, guys. Like, <laughs> we, you need to th- think of another way to do this. Yeah. Or I don't know. Like, yeah, there's no way you can make money. <laughs> my, my mentality was I waited three fucking years for this movie. I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, and I'm super excited to get back to movie theaters. I, I, I am, I know uh, a lot of people don't care about movie theaters. I love the theater going experience. I love being immersed with the giant screen and the popcorn. And even if people are talking, I don't care. I love it. I just, mm-hmm. I like that kind of communal response reaction, which is, you know, again, why I really like live comedy theater. Like I want to hear the crowd gasp and I want to hear the crowd laugh. And so, no, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited. Like I have kids. I want them to get out of the house and go to school. Like leave me alone <laughs> yeah. for a couple hours every day. That would be great. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, before and after, uh, like I work from home. I, I've always worked from home. Uh, do you know making these internet videos and so it's like my life hasn't changed much except for now there's everyone else around too and I I don't like it (laughs) I don't like (laughs) oh my family ew they're around me all the time (laughs) yeah I uh where I work was declared an essential service so I had I had to keep going to work Uh and then uh my girlfriend's work was declared non-essential, but her business stayed open for remote work. Oh, okay. So 
we completely gutted a bedroom in our house and turned it into a home office for her. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting. Like when we first did it, we're like, this is something new and and this could be good. And then like one year later, it's just so <laughs> funny because it's like just her working in her pajamas mm-hmm. and then being like, oh, you're so lucky you get to go to work. And I'm just like, oh, you're, you're so lucky you get to stay home. Like right? just both of us being on opposite sides of the coin. <laughs> Her being like, man, it must be so nice to wear clothes and go out and talk to people. And I'm like, when I'm at work, I'm not allowed to be within 20 feet of anyone else. And I can't wear pajamas. I'm like, you you have it made. It's like, I I do feel like that is missing in general. Is that like that water cooler talk is just like hanging out with new people and hearing about their day even if they suck, like, I just want to like talk to another person and like, what's going on with your life, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we, we do all we can. Like uh, I, we, I have a a regular uh, Dungeons and Dragon night with some people and we do that via zoom now. And like, you know, we tried to do like board game nights digitally via zoom with some friends and that doesn't super work. And, you know, zoom is great. Zoom has like I'm, I, I keep thinking like I'm so glad that this happened in an age of technology because we still get to have so much interaction, right? Like the the pandemics of the past, people were literally locked in, and now we still get to talk to everybody, so that's nice. What I think is funny though is I I remember early on reading about all these scientific breakthroughs that happened during um, like Spanish flu and everything, just from scientists or just from like uh universities not being open and then having like scientists basically confined to their own labs and and just like left alone (laughs) yeah and i and i love that kind of the opposite to what you're saying is instead of that we just have everyone stuck at home on the internet (laughs) so then (laughs) so then when a meme happens it's just a global shared experience right so like I think right now the one everyone's talking about is the girl who put gorilla glue in her hair. Yep. Yeah, and like so. the saga of everyone being like, and now for an update on that girl who put gorilla glue. Cause like it's kind of like the common denominator amongst all of us right now. It's mm-hmm. just stupid memes online. Well, no, and it's the really interesting thing about that, but like thinking on like stupid memes and how we're all like on the internet all the time is how fast now fandom is moving like there there were things that happened at the end of the uh, of last year fandom wise movie wise right like i'm thinking of like the ending of the man uh, the ending of season two of the mandalorian i'm thinking about wonder woman 84 if those two things happened any other year we would still be talking about them and dissecting them but the internet has moved on like we are on the internet so much we have gotten our, our fill of that already and we're on to girl who glued her hair like you know <laughs> 